Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Nothing Impossible on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. Welcome in, Michael Calhoun and Travis Sheridan, and we are talking innovation in St. Louis today. Yeah, we're going to get into, first off, there's a lot of manufacturing. We're going to start uh, talking about St. Louis is going to be manufacturing clothes again. One of the only places in the country, really, to get this new knitting technology. So we'll take you inside Evolution St. Louis, the clothes factory that's coming to Grand Center. And we're also going to, speaking of facilities that are rebirthing, we're going to go into the new uh, BioSTL location over in the Cortex District. Uh, it's the old Crescent Building, also the home of the old uh, Post-Dispatch, uh, breathing new life. From an old industry into a new industry, bioscience. And then we're going to finish up by going out to Wentzville. If you have a pet, you may have seen, you've probably seen Tropiclean on the shelves. It's a St. Louis-based company that makes all sorts of pet health care products. And we'll get an inside look at how they do it in the St. Louis area and tell you about your opportunity to take a look as well. Everybody likes show-and-tell and field trips, just like in school, and now we get an opportunity for our listeners to go and explore some of the things that are made in St. Louis. Yeah, well, let's let's start off with another thing that is going to soon be made in St. Louis, new knitting technology coming to a new factory. Yeah, you had a chance to catch up with John Elmocio and John Lewis, John and John, who are part of Evolution St. Louis, repurposing an old building in Grand Center specifically for manufacturing clothing. What is Evolution St. Louis? What's behind this? Uh, Evolution is, is a- aptly named for the next generation of high-tech knitting factories in the United States. Right now, all, all the production in this category is really being done overseas, and this is the first initiative in the United States and in St. Louis to reimagine the supply chain for manufacturing in this category. Yeah, we want to imagine uh, a whole knit sector in St. Louis. This factory will be the first high-tech factory of its kind in the United States. Wow. What kind of technology are we talking about? What are the new, I saw 3D printing on the preview, which I think a lot of people are familiar with. Some of the technology might be new to people. How do you describe the kinds of things that are going to be in place here? Simply, it's 3D printing. It's now 3D knitting. So the same kind of concept. It's really yarn goes in one end of the machine and a product comes out the other end, say a sweater. So uh, the cost of labor becomes a small part of you know the, the pricing model. So it makes all the, with the automation and the ability to have multiple machines, machines running from just a, a few people monitoring it makes the, the costing and the execution and the ability to um, you know develop product at all levels is is really exciting. The complete process from design to to manufacturing is all digital. Uh, all of the design is done on a computer, files are created, those files are sent to a technician on the floor who actually operates from a pad and can run a bank of 12, 12 machines. And first garment off of the machine is the same as the 10,000 garment off, off of the machine. The other important component of this is it's completely sustainable. We have less than 3% waste. So what kinds of articles of clothing can you make with this? And then what's still, I guess, out of the realm that you still need a, a human to put together? 
Well, it's interesting. I mean, the, the product can make a, a lot of different kinds of apparel, knitted apparel, so sweaters, knit dresses, hats, gloves, scarves, things of that nature. It also makes uh, it can also make shoe uppers. A lot of the, the shoes you see from Nike and Adidas and, and Under Armour, the, the part of it that, that's knitted as well too. Uh, it can make uh, has applications for the automotive industry, with car seats, with all kinds of materials that way, and also for the medical field as well too. So it's only limited by what you can program into the machine, into the software, and but the machine can do it. Any limits on the materials that you can put in from, from the other end? No, in fact, that's where a lot of the innovation is coming from, too, is in the yarn technology. So there's fibers that can heat you up when you're, uh, cool you down when you're hot and vice versa. You can knit Kevlar. There's all these different applications that are, that are out there now that we can use in these machines as well. One of the reasons that we've hauled evolution is it's also an evolution in design. Designers should now start thinking differently than they have been. They should now manufacture products that they have not been able to imagine before. So one of the exciting things that we've noticed is when we show designers this capability, they are amazed because they have to think in a new way, think about products that don't exist right now. Is Evolution St. Louis a kind of an advocacy and then you've, you've gotten a manufacturing company to come in here or is Evolution actually building out and operating and doing the manufacturing here? Evolution is the operating company. We just aptly named it for what we are doing. We're evolving the supply chain. I think also when we talk to the people, the great people in St. Louis, it's really a combination of .edu, .gov, .org, and .com coming together to create real sustainable economic development and job growth. We'll start with 50 employees here within the first couple of years and expand exponentially from there. So, and these are great, high-paying jobs, again, in an environment where it's, it's for the modern employee. There's lounges, there's open spaces, and it's just a great you know, quality of environment as well, too. And we have the ability to expand organically within this facility. Our initial footprint will be about 35 machines, but within this facility, we can expand to 90 machines. And we ultimately see the opportunity to build an entire industry sector in St. Louis. Where is this technology being used right now? You said it's first in the U.S., but where else in the world is using this? Right now, a lot of it's being used overseas in Asia and in Italy and in Turkey. So uh, it's a proven uh, technology as well. We're not reinventing the, the technology as well. It's already in play. And we're not actually bringing those specific jobs back. We're creating new, exciting jobs here, but we are bringing back the revenues and the market share from overseas to St. Louis and the U.S. Yeah, it's, it's a real opportunity for uh, people within the community to get good-paying jobs that have a future. Uh, we have training programs in place in our collaboration with Stoll, who's a machine manufacturer that we're partnering with. So uh, we'll be able to train workers uh, for these specific uh, high-tech jobs. So that's another exciting part of the project. In the conversation about manufacturing jobs, you know, we've seen like Apple, their products are designed in the U.S., but they're built overseas. Right. Fashion, I seems, it seems like St. Louis has tried to build this sector back up, and a lot of it has been the design versus the manufacturing. So what do you think about this could be a template? for bringing other manufacturing and other industries back to, specifically, to St. Louis? You know, we hope so. I think one of the advantages of St. Louis is having, building that retail and manufacturing and fashion ecosystem. So we hope the designers will flock here. We hope that, you know, other manufacturers will follow suit in other different categories so that it can become a real mecca in St. Louis. However, it's also about 
uh, putting St. Louis on a national narrative with L.A., with New York, and making St. Louis part of that whole national conversation in fashion apparel, too. And taking advantage of the heritage of the apparel industry in St. Louis. At one point, St. Louis was the second largest apparel manufacturing center in the United States. So there's a heritage here that's important to the city. And you're on Washington, which is a part of that area. Absolutely. And, you know, we were first attracted to the city by the St. Louis Fashion Fund. They brought us here and introduced us to the city. And it was really incredible the work they've done to create, to start that, nurture that ecosystem. And so up and down Washington Boulevard, in the, both in Grand Center and in the, gar, in the historic garment district, will all become one huge kind of creative, you know, corridor of business. Yeah, it's, it's a collaboration with all parts of uh, the city and the uh, parish community to make this happen. What are some of the, the nuts and bolts details on this? You know, how much capital goes into building out the factory and what kind of investors are there? Who might the customers be for these apparel products? Those sorts of, of things. When might construction start? When might people be able to apply for jobs? Just those kinds of you know, nuts and bolts on this. Sure. It's, it's a roughly $5 million project to start. And we're in the process right now. We are in our facility, which we're in the renovation of right now. So we should have this facility ready, hopefully, by beginning of July. Our machines come at the by the end of August, and at that point, we'll start our training and development, and and getting you know things in line for production in fourth quarter. So we've been working very hard with our machine suppliers still to do a lot of development, get our customers in place, and get the city and the facility ready to start as soon as possible. Are there retailers who've got to be saying this is a cool opportunity. This is something different that we'd like to, to give a try. Is that interest there? No, absolutely. Our initial outreach right now has, has been exceptional. We've talked to a lot of different customers who we really can't talk about right now because they're still in development. But you know, even after today, when we launch the project and, and, and really can go out to market, it's going to be really exciting because these brands and customers are already doing this product someplace else, just not here in the U.S. Yeah, the most common phone call I get two or three times a week from brands is, when are, when are you going to be ready? So they, they see the opportunity to manufacture here, and, and they're ready whenever we are. Welcome back to Nothing Impossible on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. All right, welcome into Nothing Impossible on location. Travis Sheridan here at the beautiful new, it was the Crescent Building. What, uh, Hank Weber from WashU and the chairman of Cortex. What is this building now known as? Well, it's known both as 4340 and the BioSTL building. The BioSTL building. So this is one of uh, only a few remaining, if not only the remaining, historic buildings in the district. Is that correct? Yes, the Goodwill building in the district is, has some historic elements, but this is really the last of the classic loft buildings. This was a, I mean, this is, the, this is the center of the story. This is a building that was an industrial building built in 1930 for the industry of its era, which was printing newspapers, and now it's being reused for the industry of today which is producing new biotech companies. So tell us, uh, paint the picture for us, why this building and what, what is Biogenerator going to be doing out of here and BioSTL? Um, this building is, why this building? It's a wonderful brick building that can be adapted uh, very well to growing and small companies in the district. Um, it is also, because it is available, because the university owned it, and we are a mission, not a market developer. 
So we can do these things at a much lower profit margin. And because of certain tax advantages of historic buildings, we could produce really high quality office space at affordable rents for growing companies. And that's one of the big parts of the story of this building. We're doing a great job in St. Louis, and in fact, a number of incubators around the country are, at growing companies. The challenge is to keep them in cities as they grow. Because our goal is not just to start companies, it's to keep them and keep their jobs and their intellectual capital in cities. This building is a this building is designed to help those companies grow. So for example, we have three main tenants here. Mm-hmm. One is biogenerator and bioSTL. That's about creating companies. That's about that will give them about 30% more space than they had. And they've been one of the leading sources of creating companies in town. Mm-hmm. Um, second, uh, it's allowing Arch Oncology and Confluence to companies that came out of the biogenerator. Since we're on location, we have some nice uh, trucks moving everywhere. It's very much an industrial area. Please go ahead, Hank. Confluence, as many know, was actually purchased by a Philadelphia company for uh, a nine figure, for nine figures. And the challenge was, it's great that they were purchased. That's good. But it's even better if they can grow in St. Louis. And this building and a set of affordable rents allowed them to have 20,000 square feet, 45 employees, and grow here. You know, there's a law of math. Mm -hmm. The law of math says if you're going to be a billion-dollar company, which is what every innovation district wants to produce, you need to be a hundred-million-dollar company before you can get there. (laughs) And just how the numbers work, right? Always. That's always. (laughs) And the goal for any, as you know, in addition to being the executive vice chancellor at Washington University, I'm the chair of the Cortex Mm -hmm. uh, Innovation Community Board of Directors. Our goal at Cortex and all of our goal in St. Louis is to create companies and grow them both. And we've seen this, uh, this, this risk of companies growing and not having space just recently with Benson Hill uh, needing to find space desperately over in the Danforth area, Bridge Park area, uh, needing to be near those assets the, uh, that the Danforth Center has. Do you see that same sort of struggle here in Cortex? Yes, and in fact, almost every urban innovation district in the country has this. A building like this, and frankly, we're going to need more buildings like this in Cortex. Yeah. Buildings that fit between the startups and the Microsofts or the Aeons that are sure, full sure. That, can, that are full market, uh, fully pay market mm-hmm. terms. We are going to need to to solve that problem, mm-hmm. and and this building is a wonderful start. But frankly, we're going to have to do another one or two because we're 83% lease. Wow. And we're, I'm convinced we'll be 100% lease by the time we formally open in September. So people see Cortex, they see what's, what's happened since you know, the early 2000s, that the turn of the century, and they think that it has arrived. But this is, would you say this is the midlife of Cortex? Is this the midpoint? Uh, what's the future hold for Cortex? I believe that Cortex is at an inflection point. Okay. We've done by any standard, extremely well. I mean, those of us like me who've been on the board for 10 or 11 years, if you'd said, we're going to have 420 companies, we're going to have 5,800 jobs, 
we're going to have a 1% vacancy rate, <laughs> exactly. I would have said, great. Yeah. But I think it now, this success creates the potential to dream and to think about maybe we can achieve more than mm. we ever thought. What would it mean for St. Louis if we were 15,000 jobs mm -hmm. in this district? Yeah. What would it mean if we were to replicate at a second site? Yeah. I'm not sure, and we are begin we're thinking about that, but I think, you know, look, the effect on St. Louis economy, mm -hmm. if Cortex had 15,000 jobs, if we had a few companies, several companies, that reached billion-dollar stages here would be transformative. Mm -hmm. My view is that to this point, Cortex has been a great asset, but it's not yet transformative. And the question is, can we make it transformative? And, and this building is, a, is, is an example of transformation, what was once old and is now new. This building is transformation, and this building is one, this building is a perfect example of two of the four things we have to do at Cortex to be transformative. One, we gotta keep creating new companies. Mm -hmm. Biogenerator and space for growing companies, it does. Mm -hmm. Second, you gotta keep those companies, it yeah. does that. Third, you have to attract large, the creative part of large companies. That's happening elsewhere. Yeah. And fourth, you need to make a district where people want to be. Because yeah. in the end, these districts are about talented people and it's about where they want to work. Well, I want to work here. We're going to take a quick break. I'm going to get a tour of the new building. Hank Weber, Executive Vice Chancellor of Washington University and the Chair of the Cortex Board, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. It's been delightful. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Nothing Impossible on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. All right, welcome back into Nothing Impossible. Uh, Travis Sheridan on location at the BioSTL building, also known as the 4340 Duncan Building, also known as the Crescent Building, uh, but now known as the home of life sciences here in the St. Louis region. We have Don Rubin from BioSTL and David Whiteman, uh, who's an architect who helped bring this vision to life. Gentlemen, thanks for joining us. Pleasure to be here, Travis. Thank you. So, uh, Don, why don't we start with you? Uh, we talked to Hank uh, Weber earlier from WashU and from Cortex, but your perspective, what does this mean for the region and also for BioSTL? Well, uh, for BioSTL, uh, you know, we, we have programs across the uh, innovation ecosystem, and we've been spread out in various places around the community. This will be our first opportunity to all be together in one building. Uh, but more importantly, uh, this building represents a next step for growth in the bioscience uh, community, uh, which is really blossoming. We currently, in our existing shared laboratory space, have about 60 companies, 275 people, um, and those companies are growing, they're outgrowing our space, we're bursting at the seams. St. Louis has not had a sufficient supply of affordable, uh, laboratory-friendly space that growing companies could graduate into. And we risk losing those companies from St. Louis if we can't accommodate those companies. So by moving our shared labs into this building and also ha having additional space in this building for the landlord to provide to growing companies and, and that are graduating from, from our biogenerator, uh, this really uh, represents 
a uh, an opportunity to accommodate the blossoming of this of this ecosystem. And and this is a it's a fabulous building. It's a nice old historic building. There's a, a lot of steel and glass and and concrete. Uh, how is this going to be a bioscience space? I can understand it when it used to be a printing press for the newspaper, but how is this going to be transformed? Don or David, do you want to talk a little bit about how this is going to actually become a bioscience building? Well, the, the building is set up to be about 60% laboratory and 40% office space, all very flexible, looking very long-term, not only for bio-generators needs today, but in the future to have incredible flexibility and also flexibility for uh, the smaller uh, spinoffs that Don is talking about to be able to provide smaller space for them once, once they graduate. So, uh, for example, we have the same lab furniture and systems throughout the building for every tenant. Uh, everything is, is done to be flexible, interchangeable. So uh, not only meet the first needs, but the ongoing needs as, as the science changes and new company spinoff. This is, a, this is a great place for show and tell. I mean, there's going to be a lot of glass walls so people can see the science happening. Don, you do a lot of work, not just in the U.S., but attracting foreign companies uh, to the U.S. through your global STL program. Uh, a space like this, is this helping that sales pitch? A, a very cool building like this helps in, in a number of ways. And one really is just the... Uh, it symbolizes the civic commitment that St. Louis has to supporting startups. So if, if, if you're a CEO of a small company from, from Europe or from Asia and you're visiting St. Louis, you don't know that much about St. Louis, and you see the, this cutting-edge um, building that is hosting the earliest stage startups from the very beginning who have very little capital, we're going to be, we provide free space for the very earliest um, startups. Uh, that doesn't happen in very many places in the world, really. And to know that Washington University and other civic investors uh, are valuing uh, the growth of startups and entrepreneurial uh, activity and uh, innovation in this community is a very important signal for us to be sending worldwide. And you know, these, these biotech companies, the equipment they use is incredibly expensive, right? If you're going to go get your own centrifuge, it's going to cost you probably tens of thousands of dollars. If you're going to get your own uh, machine to run different tests, it's going to be upwards of hundreds, tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars. I just know it's expensive. Uh, this is going to have shared equipment. So those costs are, the, are really shared ac- across the entire group, or they can really take advantage of it without owning that equipment themselves. Right. So uh, again, the, bio, the biogenerator is the name we give to mm-hmm. our investment arm that builds these companies. And the biogenerator opened up shared labs for the first time about nine years ago. And we believe it was the first time in the country that um, uh, that individual biotech startups were sharing lab space because there's a lot of co- concern about intellectual property and patents and secrets, uh, and uh, people are very protective of that. But we were able to create a community of these entrepreneurs and startups. Uh, in our existing space, we have over 60 of those companies, and uh, we'll be able to grow that here. Uh, and uh, uh, our investments are usually the very first money into these early companies. And we found early on that if we had to help a company, every single company sign a lease in an incubator (laughs) and every single company buy their own equipment, our money just wouldn't go very far. So by creating the shared common equipment that everyone shares, it's much more economically uh, prudent and it allows for 
startups to uh, proceed and to develop without a big capital investment. And they can reach success milestones uh, a lot faster, a lot earlier, and it's a much more investor-friendly. Mm-hmm. So when investors come to St. Louis to invest in a biotech company, as opposed to California or Boston, they can see a lot more progress for a lot less capital. And it could let the scientists focus on the science and not on lease negotiations. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And that's what investors want to see. When you invest a few thousand dollars into a company, you want to see it develop a product, not spend their money on on rent and equipment. So uh, Hank Weber earlier said that uh, this is a great building, but it's it's still not enough. You know, the region is continuing to grow. this building isn't even open yet, and it's already 80-some percent leased out. Uh, what will be next for the biosciences in St. Louis? Well, you know, we think of the, our, our biogenerator labs as the engine of, uh, of generating these startups, an engine for growing these startups. And, by, and this building is going to allow that engine to get larger and more powerful. And so to the extent that we've created a challenge uh, in the community of accommodating growing biotech companies, if we're successful, and I hope we will be, then we're going to create an even bigger problem because there's going to be an even bigger demand uh, of of companies growing out of this engine um, are going to demand laboratory space. And so St. Louis and Cortex and our civic partners are all going to continue to need to be thinking about staying ahead of that curve. So as these, as as this... um, uh, ecosystem blossoms as the number of companies grow and the size of these companies grow and the jobs that they, cre- that they create grow, we need to have more buildings, bigger buildings, uh, and find ways to finance them so that the laboratory space is affordable for these growing companies. David, you wanted to add something Yeah, to and to that end, uh, you know, the WashU entity that is the developer behind this uh, really worked very hard to make the space very affordable utilizing historic tax credits, new market tax credits, taking advantage of some of the TIF money available in Cortex. And the whole purpose was to provide space at substantially below market. So as companies spin off, uh, they're not forced to go to the county or other kinds of places, but to keep them here in the district and keep that synergy going. So that, that started as the initial mission of this building is provide substantially below market flexible lab space. Well, let me ask a question. This might be a somewhat of a controversial question, but is that setting unrealistic expectations for these, some of these startups? Are they, do they have sticker shock when they finally need to progress and graduate out, or how, how's that being managed? Well, the, as these companies uh, raise capital and grow to the next stage and develop products and have revenue, then they ought to be paying market rents, and, yeah. and, and I think that that's fair to expect them to pay market rents. What is market rents is hard to say sure. in St. Louis. St. Louis market rents will, will likely be well below still market rents in Silicon Valley, for right. example. Um, but uh, we want to make sure that no company um, it, it has to close its doors uh, or move away from St. Louis as it's growing through that evolution because there is no affordable space. We want to stay ahead of the curve and make sure that, that, that there's a continuum of yeah. space, from free space to cheap space to less cheap space, <laughs> yeah. and then yeah. eventually market rate space for yeah. companies as they grow. Yeah, and, and to that end, we, we are building out space now for two graduates of um, the biogenerator. And in this building? In this building, yeah. and they're attracted not only to you know the rent, they're really attracted to being part of the synergy. And we're also working with 
uh, two or three others already who are on the verge of outgrowing space and biogenerator to build space out for them as well. Well, I, I, we don't want the work that's being done here, the science that's being done is potentially going to change lives or save lives. And we don't want the, those answers, those, those unanswered questions to stop because they can't afford to pay rent all of a sudden. That's right. You know, yeah. there are brilliant discoveries happening at our medical schools and our universities. And without a mechanism to bring them out of the university and turn them into companies and the really comprehensive support that the biogenerator provides, it's not, it's not just space. Yeah. It's mentoring. It's capital. It's connections to venture, the venture world. It's uh, uh, intellectual property advice. It's, a, it's an entire suite of support. Without that, some of those ideas will stay on the shelf, and some of those are, can be very important. They might be cures for cancer or, mm-hmm. or, or some other disease, and we want to make sure they have an opportunity to uh, be realized. And so when do people start moving in? I see construction workers roaming around. We hear the beeping of equipment. When do people start moving in? Well, uh, Confluence uh, Discovery Technologies, mm-hmm. they take possession of their space next Wednesday. Okay, wow. So at that point, they will start, uh, laboratory equipment's already being installed. Mm-hmm. At that point, they will start installing their furniture and gradually moving their their research functions from across the street uh, mm-hmm. the current biogenerator into this space. So they plan to actually have, um, you know, start occupying the space about uh, less than a month from now. And Don, what about BioSTL? When are you all moving down in here? Hopefully August. Okay. Uh, yeah. n- not too far away. We have a lot of work to do to be ready for that. Uh, but we're very excited about it. We're excited to be, uh, to be resident in the uh, Cortex Innovation Community. About half of us already are and half mm-hmm. of us are not. We'll all be together for the first time in the same building. We're looking forward to that. And, uh, you know, we've had this dream for a long time of having what we think of as concentric circles with these um, dense laboratories in the, in the heart of it and then startups. And as they mature, they, get, they can move a little bit further away, but they still want to be part of that community of yeah. startups. And uh, uh, it really was, to some degree, you know, very fortuitous that this building existed, that Washington University owned this building, that Washington used leadership, had the vision of, of making this building available to provide affordable space for, for the biotech uh, ecosystem. And uh, we're just very privileged to be the anchor tenant of this building uh, to make it a reality and uh, continue the momentum of, of uh, biotech in St. Louis. Well, as, as Hank Weber said in the previous segment, we are rewriting the story uh, of this building and of St. Louis. Uh, Don and David, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back to talk more about innovation and entrepreneurship right after this. Welcome back to Nothing Impossible on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. Welcome back. Michael Calhoun and Travis Sheridan with you. And let's talk about a big St. Louis company that's homegrown. If you've got a dog or a cat, you've probably uh, used their products or at least come across them in one of the stores that you frequent. Either shampooing your cat or your dog or making sure, you know, halitosis is not a problem for yeah, your... bad uh, breath. You don't want that on the, on the pup. You don't want it on the pup. You don't want it on yourself. You don't want it on your pup. You just don't want bad breath at all. Uh Uh-huh. Good point. Well, let's bring in Joe right now, Joe Worm from TropiClean, which is based in Wentzville. Joe, thank you for joining us. Thank you for uh, allowing me to have this time. So there is an opportunity that St. Louisans are going to get. You know, we go into the store, we buy these products, but we don't necessarily think about where they come from, who makes them, where they make them. And in terms of TropiClean, there's a really cool opportunity that's coming up on Tuesday. Uh, Tell us about that. So we are partnering with St. Louis Makes. It's a 
nonprofit organization here in the St. Louis region. And the focus that we're um, working with them on is to get exposure to how other companies uh, make things happen here in the St. Louis region in terms of manufacturing. At the same time, we're hosting a tour to where others can join um, the group and view our operation to see how we do things, see how we make shampoos and oral care products and, and other pet grooming products for dogs and cats. You know, growing up, I remember uh, watching Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, and he had that special picture on the wall that would take us inside, you know, looking at how crayons are made or looking at how candy bars are created. It is, some, it is pretty fascinating, isn't it, Joe, to, like, watch things be manufactured? We don't, not, the general public doesn't get to experience that very Absolutely. often. Absolutely, yeah, I could, I could not agree more. Uh, in my career, I've had the, the good opportunity of doing just that, seeing how different things are made here in St. Louis, actually, as well, I've been throughout all sorts of different manufacturing locations, and it's just as exciting here every day. Um, we we manufacture the little gels that you use, like you mentioned earlier, to uh, take the plaque and tartar off of dogs and cats' teeth, and it actually really does work, um, which is it's just an amazing product because it allows the pet parent to not have to fight with their pet with t- trying to brush their dog's teeth. So it's a very easy solution. That's a win-win for both, and and we. We make things uh, like shampoos and water additive products. A water additive product is a product that you just simply pour a little bit into the cap that comes with the bottle, pour it into your bowl every time you refill your dog's bowl, and it kills the germs in the dog's breath, and for cats as well. Wow. And so, Joe, give us a, a little bit of a glimpse into what people, how do, how do you do this? What is the inside of this factory like? What will people get to see if they show up for the sure. St. Louis Makes Tour on Tuesday? Sure. We have, we have about six filling lines here and a, a, a mixing and blending um, portion of our factory where we actually take the raw materials and we will mix them and blend them and, and add things to it. And then then we will send it to our packaging line, which we have about six of those. Um, and what happens is, is usually, in like in the oral care products, it will go into a reserve tank, and then then, then they'll call for product into a filling line. We have an uh, uh, an automatic filler that runs up to about a hundred bottles per minute, so they'll be able to see how the bottles are packaged, and then how they're actually sent over to our uh, finished goods warehouse and see the entire process from raw material to actually shipping. Joe, do you ever have schools bring, uh, you know, high schoolers or middle schoolers by to look at this? I would imagine this would be a great way to introduce people to career fields that they may not normally know about. Yeah, we sure do. Apart from having the the St. Louis Makes Tour, um, we've had um, schools come and do just that. Uh, Recently we had a group of uh, several school-aged kids here and they just had a great time. They they really did enjoy it. It was it was kind of like when we were kids. I'm a St. Louis, and then we would go to the Twinkie factory, and we'd see how the Twinkies were made um, back in the day. Um, so we're trying to open that that up for um, school age groups as well. We're talking with Joe Worm, who's the director of innovation and development at Tropiclean, which is based in Wentzville. And and Joe. Take us a little bit inside uh, how Tropiclean got started and why the St. Louis area. Why did you choose uh, a specifically Wentzville for this? Sure. Our, our company was created uh, about 40 years ago. I think we're, we're, we're nearing in on our 40th year. And it's a family-owned business. Um, 
that started out as the, the patriarch of the family was a barber, and he wanted to do more in his life. So he bought a business um, that was a distributorship uh, for human hair care products, and he found in that process uh, that he could uh, sell products to uh, grooming salons um, at a much better profit. And so he started to focus on that. And as his, his sons came of age, uh, they started joining the business. And they actually built this company for the last 30 years, 30-plus uh, years, I should say, uh, starting out manufacturing their own shampoo, transitioning to other products, uh, and growing and growing. And, and so it started out in the basement in St. Louis, and then it progressively grew over the years to... Uh, where we are now in Wentzville. Um, not certain as to specifically why Wentzville. I'm sure there's some specific reasons as to the location, but we always wanted to keep it here in St. Louis. Um, and so we are actually now breaking ground soon on a new facility in O'Fallon, which will probably occupy about uh, the fall of 2020. So we're going to have about four times as much office space and double the production space. So we're we're seeing um, um, a good positive growth track uh, for the future for the pet industry, the specialty pet industry, as well as the food, drug, and mass markets. Well, Joe, so Joe, since you're you're involved in innovation in that space, what do you see? What's like in your crystal ball? What are you guys planning for? Uh, what's the future of pet products and pet grooming? Well, uh, if I told you all of my secrets, then uh, <laughs> <laughs> then it probably wouldn't be good for our business. But we are certainly. Um, uh, adding new product lines um, that were currently in development. Um, we're looking at things in the veterinary space. We're looking at things um, in other channels. Um, we're also focusing on our core market. One of the one of the things that we are focusing on in innovation is drawing awareness to um, pet parents so that they understand that um, a, a periodontal disease, which is the the problem in and of itself with dogs and cats, that's the thing that we're trying to draw awareness to. So 80% of pet parents don't even realize that bad breath is actually a symptom of a progressive disease that could ultimately uh, be fatal to a pet. So we want to foster that human bond um, that people have with their pets. So we're trying to come out with products that will actually not only enable that bond, but... um, but also help the pet parent to develop a daily routine to where they're actually incorporating that into their pet's life. Joe Worm, the Director of Innovation at TropiClean, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. And again, if you'd like to take part in that St. Louis Makes Factory Tour, it's at 9 a.m. on Tuesday. And just find this podcast at kmox.com or the radio.com app or wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll put the link for registration up there. Thanks for joining us on Nothing Impossible. Come back next week. We'll talk more innovation in St. Louis. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.